Um, our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 1 through 11. I invite you to open your Bibles with me there. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 1 through 11. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Uh, this book of the Bible is centered on the Babylonian exile. Right? So at about 586 B.C., give or take a few years, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, uh, and he led all of the people off, off into captivity. He enslaved all of the Jewish people. Uh, they were taken away into captivity, uh, into this uh, place of exile, of, of being uh, away from, being out of place. They were made to be servants. And this lasted about 70 years until King Cyprus of Persia allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. And now the book of Isaiah, as it's talking about these events, it makes it clear that King Nebuchadnezzar was uh, a part of God's uh, instrument to, to punish the Jewish people for their sins of idolatry and disobedience. They had strayed far from God, and so they had opened themselves up to the consequences of that. In the same manner, uh, King Cyrus, who comes in and sets the people free, does so by God's doing. That God is at work even in a secular leader uh, to bring about his plan and his work. And so God works in this to redeem the people of Israel. And it's this being conquered and then waiting for freedom that sets the context for the book of Isaiah. Uh, the first 39 chapters in Isaiah are prophetic warnings. It's Isaiah saying, hey guys, wake up. You can't keep doing the same thing anymore. You can't keep doing all of these things that are leading you, that are drawing you away from God. It's not going to work out well. God's going to show up and things are going to fall apart because you're not following him. You're not listening to him. You're not obeying his commands. We need to get back to God. So that's the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. Then in chapter 40, the tone changes. See, in, uh, between chapter 39 and 40, the people are off in exile. They've been conquered. They've lost everything. And so they have no hope. Uh, if you read some of the different uh, books of the Bible that are taking place around the same time, the book of Lamentations is one of them. Uh, you hear the voice of the people crying out. You know, we have no hope. There is no one to comfort us. They just speak out of this place of despair and of lament. And so it's into this situation, this place of exile and despair that Isaiah speaks beginning in chapter 40. And he says, basically, God knows your pain. God knows your heartache. And he's coming to redeem you. And so we're going to read chapter 40 together this morning. Beginning here in verse 1. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
Get you up to a high mountain. O Zion, herald of good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So the prophet Isaiah begins his redemption-focused words with comfort. Comfort, oh comfort, my people, says your God. Well, the comfort that Isaiah has in mind might be different than what first comes to mind when we think of comfort. I mean, I think our tendency to think about comfort goes probably towards, you know, some nice lazy boy recliners or maybe a a nice pair of comfy pants. Um, I'm kind of a little bit Southern maybe. And so my mind goes towards food. I got to think about comfort food, Uh, some good mac and cheese maybe, or I don't know, popcorn, ice cream. This this probably a long list, really, that goes on and on. But uh, we we tend to think of comfort in these creature comfort kind of ways. But comfort, theologically speaking, means so much more. Uh, comfort has its roots in the Latin words "con," meaning together, uh, and "fortis," meaning strong. It's a relational term, a relational term of of together we are strong. It's coming alongside of to build up, to uplift, to put an arm around somebody so that they can find strength. Comfort my people, says your God, is a word that says, you know, God is coming to you. It's God saying that I will be with you, that I will be your strength. Now, for the people of Israel who are in exile, in exile this, is, this is good news. This comfort, God's presence, means for them deliverance. It means that God is setting them free, that God will lead them home, that in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their despair, that God is showing up to bring about redemption. And this word of comfort that God speaks to the people of Israel in exile is also a word that God speaks to us. In the places where we experience despair and distraught, in the midst of the, the exile that we feel, not exile being in a foreign land, but that sense of hopelessness that we sometimes encounter, God speaks comfort to us. And I don't know if there's anybody who's in that place this morning where you feel that kind of despair. Maybe there's a circumstance that you're going through and you're not sure how you're going to get out of it. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So you just feel this this kind of exile in life. Maybe there's transitions that are taking place, some of them that you might not be in control of, and that builds up a kind of anxiety that you just can't seem to shake. Maybe you're just tired. You're worn out. There's one thing after another after another, and it just weighs upon you. Uh, We had our uh, church, our charge conference this past Thursday, and our presiding elder, uh, Tim Carson, was here, and he he just kind of mentioned, as a church, We've been through one thing after another, after another, after another. Our community has been through one thing after another. It has a way of of weighing you down at times, a sense of just being tired, of just hoping that there's a normal year, whatever that might mean. He encouraged us from the book of Galatians to, to bear one another's burdens in the Lord, to uplift and give each other strength. But 
But that sense of tiredness can feel in this, the same kind of exile, perhaps, that the Israelites felt. Maybe the Christmas season brings up a pain of a family situation that's just not as it should be. You know that things aren't right, and it feels though it's beyond your control to do anything to fix it. Or maybe you're holding on to something that you need to let go of, some, some bitterness, a place in your heart where it just every now and then just pokes you, and you realize, I'm, I'm not right with that person and there's something that's disturbing you about that. Or maybe maybe just in your life there's a sin that you can't seem to shake. And you feel the guilt of it or you feel the shame of it. You just can't, for whatever reason, stop. And it's bothering you. But you feel the sense of despair or hopelessness because of it. The prophet Isaiah offers us this word of comfort. right? That God knows your pain. God knows your heartache. That comfort is coming. That Christ has come and he is coming. So the prophet Isaiah offers the people of Israel who are in exile this word of comfort from God. They have this promise of deliverance. Then in verse 2, he adds a little bit more to this promise. See, it's not only their experience in exile that God is coming to comfort, that God is coming to redeem, but the prophet says they will no longer bear the consequence of their sin. As the prophet is offering this word of comfort, he's, he's saying that comfort, as God brings it, is not only this relational term of strength and deliverance, but even more so it's a word of grace. It's a word of forgiveness. See, verse 2 makes it clear that the source of the Israelites' exile was their sinfulness. They had uh, reaped the rewards from their choices, from their decisions. The, they made their bed and they had a lie in it. But their time has been served. God has said, your penalty is paid and he's going to be setting them free. In the same way that God's word of comfort is good news for us, this word of redemption, of freedom, of forgiveness is good news for us as well. In part, what this word of comfort to the Israelites, saying that their penalty has been paid, it illustrates for us. That comfort comes not to those who deserve a reward, not to those who've done something to earn it, not to those who have got it all figured out, but comfort comes to those who have felt the pain, the sting of where sin and life can lead you. God's comfort and forgiveness, God's comfort and redemption, it meets with those who are in exile who recognize that they don't have it all together. When we recognize that it's not by anything that I can do, it's only as I lean on God that God comes near and offers us that deliverance. God's comfort is for those who recognize the depth of their situation, who recognize their need for a rescue. It's, it's grace and strength to know that apart from God, they can't do it on their own. Jesus uh, tells a parable uh, to this group of people. It's in Luke chapter 18. He tells this parable to a group of people, it says, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they regarded the people around them with contempt. So he tells this story. You know, two men walk into a bar. And um, no, that's, well, that was a different story. The, it worked here. Good, see, my wife said not to sell that uh, that way. Brett said to go with it. So it's, it's, one, to, it's one to one right now. But so Jesus said, just got to make sure everybody's still awake, right? Two men go up to the temple to pray. One of them is a Pharisee, uh, a religious leader, right? The, the person who 
seems and appears, who makes it look like they've got it all figured out. The other person is a tax collector, somebody who's regarded at that time among the worst of sinners, kind of the lowest on the totem pole in society. And Jesus says that the Pharisee goes out and he stands by himself and he says, God, thank you that I'm not like all these other people. I'm not like all those sinners. Instead, God, you know, I do all the right things. I'm, I'm on all the right committees. I, I'm, I'm working my way to heaven and I've put in all the work. I've checked all the boxes. You know, God, look at me. But the tax collector who's standing far off, it says he wouldn't even lift up his head to heaven, but instead prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says it's the second one. It's the tax collector who is justified. It's the second one who finds comfort. It's the second one who finds strength, who finds forgiveness, who meets with God in the midst of their despair. And I love that Jesus is telling the story to people who think they have it all together, who think they have it all figured out just right. See, in the context of Isaiah 40, I think what Jesus might be saying is that all of us really are, are exiled. We are all far away from home, from our home in heaven, from our home in the place that God has prepared for us. And the ones who receive comfort are the ones who recognize this place of exile, the ones who recognize that they need someone else to comfort them. And so God's comfort meets us in our humility, at the depths of our weakness, and God begins to work to redeem our situations, to, to heal our brokenness, and to lift up our heads. And the rest of this passage in Isaiah, it, it kind of echoes the same message. In verse 3, it says that the way of the Lord, this way that we are preparing for the Lord is coming, that it, the way of the Lord begins right in the middle of the desert, in the wilderness. And the wilderness in biblical terms is, is really, it's kind of like a location of, of evil, of testing, of trial, of difficulties. And it's in this place of trial and of difficulty, of testing in the midst of evil that God begins to construct and build a highway to peace. It's in emptiness and desolation that a voice cries out and says, God is coming through. You know, if the salvation of God is going to emerge from anywhere, it's telling us that it's going to show up right in the midst of life's ugliness. It's going to show up right in the places where it's most needed, where we might least expect it, but where it's most needed. And what's more, the following verses remind us again and again how we need God to be the one who's going to lead us out of this wilderness. That it's God who's going to be able to make this highway to lead us out because there's nothing that we can do on our own to make the situation better, to put the broken pieces back in place, to bring about our own healing or wholeness because we are fragile like grass. So if we want to access the comfort that Isaiah is declaring that we do so by first acknowledging all the things that are difficult, even ugly about life, about our own lives and our own hearts, to own up to the reality of our sin. And then we have this opportunity to meet with God in the wilderness, to be able to say, God, I'm too weak to do it on my own, but when I'm weak, I know that you are strong. I know that your grace is sufficient for me. When we do, the prophet tells us in verse 11 that God meets us like a shepherd, a shepherd who gathers his lambs into his arms and holds them tight unto his bosom. 
Our comforter comes with might to strengthen us, and he comes with compassion to feed us and to carry us. Reminds us that our comforter, that our savior, that our God is both mighty and gentle. And that he's big enough to handle whatever problems come our way, but he's also caring enough to know, to just put a hand on our back to let us know that he is present and that he's near. And I think what makes this shepherd imagery all the more beautiful is that Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd. He, he takes this moniker of shepherd upon himself and lets us know that in his nearness, that he's leading us and that he's guiding us, that he is with us. He invites us to come and draw near to him. In John 10, Jesus says, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He then says, that his sheep know his voice, that they recognize as he calls out to them, that they recognize and they hear as he's leading them, as he's guiding them, that his sheep follow along and they follow him because they know his voice. They've listened, like David shared in his testimony. In the midst of despair, in the wilderness, in exile, they pause to listen and recognize and know his voice. I wonder this morning, if you know the voice of Jesus, have you heard him recently? Have you stopped amidst the busyness of life and of the season to listen for him? And if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling tired and worn, if you're looking for your comforter to come, perhaps it may be that you haven't slowed down enough to listen for that voice, for that invitation to draw near, knowing that as we draw near, he draws near to us. Jesus wants to lead you beside still waters into places where you can find rest and restoration for your soul. We have to listen for his voice. Now, maybe this season, maybe you're feeling, uh, you know what, I've, I've been in the exile. I know what that's like. Uh, but my comforter, my savior has led me out. Perhaps that doesn't, the exile doesn't sound familiar to you. Your good shepherd's still calling you. He's still inviting you to hear his voice and to follow as he leads. So what pastures is he inviting you into? What places might the good shepherd be sending you to offer a word of comfort to others? I mean, God comforts us in the midst of our trial so that we might then be able to offer comfort to others. What's beautiful within this passage of Isaiah here in chapter 40 is that he calls us to look with hope, knowing that our comforter is coming but then also, as we've experienced and known that comfort to proclaim that word of comfort to others around us. He reminds us that the comforter did not just come for us, but he came for all. Get you up to a high mountain. Lift up your voice with strength. Herald of good news, lift it up and do not fear. And yes, the comforter comes, our good shepherd is coming, but this good news of great joy is to be for all people. Just because we've heard the message doesn't mean that we hog the message. Rather, we become those who invite others to know that hope and that healing of Jesus Christ as well. The prophet Isaiah invites us to be heralds of good news. And herald has two basic definitions. A herald is an official messenger who's bringing news, in this case, good news. A herald is also a person who's viewed as a sign that something is about to happen. So as a community of people who've experienced and known the might and the compassion of our comforter, 
we're called to tell the good news to others. The comforter is coming. We're to live as a sign that says hope is on the way, that healing is on the way. We're to live in such a way that people recognize that there is something better that's about to happen because Jesus is showing up in their life and their situation because we are there and he's with us. And we can live as heralds in ways that are big and small. And I'm not entirely opposed to the bullhorn approach where we just stand on the corner and let people know that Jesus is coming. But I think it could be done in general conversation as well. A while back, I was talking with a neighbor. And honestly, I mean, I don't talk to my neighbors enough. I probably should go and meet with them more. But uh, we were in a conversation. And somehow in the conversation, we started talking about, you know, some of the really some of the mistakes that we had made in life, (laughs) some of the ways that our poor choices had affected things and how we're grateful that we're not in that place anymore. And I had the opportunity to say, as we're talking about it, it's like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm glad that I met Jesus in that place and that he led me out, that I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Jesus. It was a small word, a small word that just was a way for me to acknowledge the place where my hope is found, the place where I've found comfort and strength in my life, to hopefully encourage him to look in that same place as well. It doesn't have to be something big. It's just telling about what Jesus has done for you. That's a herald of good news. We're also heralds not just as individuals, but we're called to be heralds together in the way that we live as a community of believers. How do people feel when they come on our campus? Is there a connection with the comforter that somehow we as his sheep help to facilitate? Is there a way that God is calling us as a community of believers to to be a part of extending his hope, his healing, a, a way of inviting people to know the transforming love and power of Christ within their lives through the ways that we live together as a body of believers? There's actually a couple of interesting things that have happened recently. Uh, We have a connection with with a counselor. He's a Christian counselor, and uh, we have a space that he uses to meet with clients, uh, to meet with some patients. And he wrote us a letter recently and just said that uh, he's grateful that he's able to meet with his patients here because they always speak of a a warmth uh, whenever they come here on this campus. Uh, I mean, I believe that there's a group of people in our church that pray constantly. And so I believe that God's presence is here, that God's drawing people to himself. It's it's a real palpable sense that you can feel that God is here. Um, And and so people, as they're coming onto our campus to meet with their their counselor, with their therapist, they experience a a warmth. There's something that, that they experience as they come here. And they also experience the warmth because the people that they encounter, The people that they meet from the church whenever they hear offer to them a word of hope, a word of welcome, a word of hospitality. It's something this church is able to do for others. And then uh, around the same time, uh, we had a Google review from one of our neighbors. It doesn't come to the church, but gave us a five-star review, which was great. Uh, But they said that there's just something, there's there's something that's happening at that church. That there's there's a life that they sense there. It was a a positive thing of just seeing the life that's emerging in in this place. Uh, In the ministries, in the preschool, in the programs, and everything that's taking place. They just sense that there's life that's blossoming here. It's a sign. It's a way that we, as a body of believers, become a part of heralding the good news of our comforter and our savior, Jesus. And the same warmth, the same way in which we herald it as a body, it has to filter through our everyday lives as well. We who have known the comforter can begin to live in a way that prepares a path in the wilderness, 
a way that speaks hope in the midst of despair, a way that encourages others to listen for the voice of the good shepherd. We're invited to live in a way that reflects the values of the kingdom, that brings about the peace and the justice, the love, the hope, the joy, the peace of Christ. So our call is to be a community of hope and healing, a place where people are invited to know that life-transforming love of Jesus Christ. We are heralds of good news. God's comfort is here. Our Savior has come. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you that you meet us in our places of exile and despair, and you offer us comfort, that you offer us yourself, that you offer us Jesus as our Savior, as the one who redeems us. I pray that in the midst of whatever uh, brokenness, whatever difficulties, whatever hurts, whatever challenges that we're facing at the moment, we pray that, that you would draw near, that you would bring hope and comfort into those situations, and that you would bring redemption, that you would bring salvation, that you would make whole what is in need of your healing touch. And we pray, Lord, that as we, uh, your people, experience and know your comforting presence, as we begin to follow the lead of our good shepherd, that we would go out as those who share that good news with others. So bring people into our path that need to know that good news. Give us compassion to reach out. Give us courage to be able to share with others what you've done for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.